Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. My goal is to get to know some of the most important New Yorkers who are responsible for the success and prosperity of the city and its residents. This episode, we're focusing on New York City's children in need. Soroya Friedman Gonzalez is one of those great people making an impact for children in need in New York City. She's the executive director of New Yorkers for Children, which improves the well being of youth and families in the child welfare system with an emphasis on older youth aging out of the system. They provide direct educational, financial, and emotional support and develop programs to fill gaps in the system in partnership with foster care agencies, community organizations, and the New York City Administration for Children's Services. New Yorkers for Children is working toward a city where child welfare organizations have an abundance of resources to care for youth and families at risk or in need of support to lead safe, healthy, and rewarding lives. So Roy, it's really great to have you on the show, and I really appreciate you being able to share more about yourself and the organization. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we chatted a little bit before we got started, and you know, your organization is focused on youth, but some of the youth that's older than what people might perceive, you know, children that, that are in the foster care system. So if you don't mind just giving a little background on, you know, the services of, of the organization and the types of children sure. that you're supporting. So I want to start by saying that New Yorkers for Children, we were founded in 1996, which was around the same time that uh, New York City Administration for Children's Services, the government entity, was created as a standalone agency. It was sort of taken out of social services and there was a fatality in the city and there was a decision to kind of create an agency that solely supports children and families. Mm-hmm. And so New Yorkers was originally created in part to support the agency, to kind of be able to bring in private support and address areas in the child welfare system that government funding alone could not. And so very early on, what became very clear is that youth between the ages of about 18 and 26 transition age, those aging out of the foster care system, were young people that were not uh, heavily invested in because they were not children. And there was this sort of a lot of investment going into like the zero to 18. And once a young person hit 18, they sort of exited foster care and almost were on their own and maybe entering another public system. Mm. And so the founder really decided that, you know, investing in education as a driver for change, but also in older youth was an important investment because there just wasn't enough invested at that time. And so we have historically focused on unmet needs. And because it is still a strong need, older youth in foster care and educational outcomes is sort of where we're focused as an organization. Is there a sense of how many youth between 18 and 26 are in need or don't have that support system of their family? So then, yeah, I mean, annually, there are under a thousand and it fluctuates year to year, but I'd say roughly 600 young people age out of the foster care system on an annual basis. I think the number of young people that fall between 18 and 26 years old is roughly 3,000. So it's a larger number. And that means that they might have exited foster care. And if every year it's kind of compounding, that's about the universe of young people that we support. 
you know, I think about how, you know, critical both my parents are in my upbringing and even, you know, after I graduate college, you know, how important it was having parents in my life. So I can only imagine, you know, people going through foster care and then being really put into the world. Absolutely. Having to, to fend for themselves. So, I mean, talk to me about the barriers that a, that a lot of those young adults who are aging out of foster care face. Yeah, we have for a long time focused on, you know, kind of scholarships or cash transfers to young people attending college that are part of the New York City foster care system and are older. And so a lot of our support around that area has not really been about like, okay, we're going to pay for you to attend CUNY because the city tends to cover that. There is public dollars available to young people that want to, you know, study in a CUNY or, or SUNY system, let's say, or a public university. There is funding available. What New Yorkers has always focused on is supporting them in what you talked about on monthly living expenses where there is not support, where most or many young people can go to family. So we've always come in for our scholars to say, okay, on a monthly basis, if you're attending school and you maintain a certain GPA, you will receive emotional support through a coach uh, or an advisor that they're assigned to. And then you get an amount that could range between $550 to $750 a month up to five years. And that's something that has been, you know, when a young person is a freshman and becomes part of our program, we put away enough money to support them for five whole years. If they come in later, we put maybe away for three years. So we don't just sort of year to year fund them when a young, it's an investment. So that's one thing that's unique about what we do in terms of our scholarships. But then historically, we have also been around giving what we call unconditional cash transfers or emergency grants to young youth in college and those that have aged out for crises. And that became very big around the pandemic when a lot of our youth had these unexpected costs and they were not working, they were not in school. And so they can apply to our organization to receive emergency cash. So talk to me about where you guys get a lot of your funding and what you rely on for funding. So we rely heavily on individual donations every year, not in the pandemic, but we have a gala. We used to have two galas where we do quite a bit of fundraising. In fact, we have a gala coming up on October 27th. Additionally, over the last five years, a lot of our funding comes from institutional support, which is foundations, even family foundations as well. And then I would say in the last year, we have begun to look to the city to support some of our work. So we were the recipient of a discretionary grant from city council this year, which was really helpful. So most of our support is individual foundation. We get a tiny bit of government, but not much. And is this largely, you know, the, the, the cash assistance that you're providing to, to some of these use, is that a large focus of getting them to like, you know, be able to cover basic necessities? Absolutely. I mean, it ranges. It could be an unexpected medical expense. It could be a funeral to bury a loved one. It could be 
many of our young youth are young parents. I would say about 44% of the youth that we serve have children two or more under five. So during the pandemic, a lot of it was like, you know, and part of our work is making sure that if we have a young parent and they're in need of cash, we want to make sure that the family is supported. So that was a lot of it. And so it might be rent. It might be a security deposit. It might mean to help them furnish a new apartment that they just got. So there's things that come up where maybe they don't seem like an emergency, but it is. I mean, if you're a student and you've just gotten an apartment and you have no bed or couch, you know, that's, a, that's an emergency. It's going to impact your ability to attend school. So things like that. So that's an interesting statistic in terms of so many of those youth having children. Do you think a large part of that is because they simply just want family because they haven't had it? It's hard for me to say, you know, I think as, you know, we looked at the numbers, we know that young people who are in school, or at least the ones New Yorkers is serving, if they are attending school and they don't have a child, they're less likely to, you know, get pregnant, let's say during college, that's what our data shows. But we do know that there are a number of youth that have aged out, they may not be in work, they may not be attending school. And we know that that universe, there tends to be a larger portion who are young parents. And there's a lot of reasons that could contribute to that. But I do think being in school um, may delay that a bit for obvious reasons. So we do try to uh, encourage young people. We try to be a resource starting in you know senior year of high school. We have a youth advisory board that is a youth-led group where many of them are certified peer mentors. And we try to connect with young people early. We try to, you know, youth themselves are outreaching to other youth to say like, I graduated college or I'm in college and how can I support you as a certified peer mentor? And that's been really effective too, this kind of peer-to-peer support. Are there other services that you provide, whether it's career services or career training or you know, mental health services? Are there other things that people such as myself or, you know, other people in the community can do to help support these youth? I mean, absolutely. I mean, one of the principles in which New Yorkers was founded is really under the idea that we really want to engage everyday New Yorkers to support the youth that we serve. So, you know, we do throughout the year, what we call network to success events, where we bring together either through a large citywide event or through a particular industry where we might have a panel of professionals talking to our youth. And many, you know, decide that they want to, you know, mentor young people uh, throughout that, either in a more formal or informal way. And that's been really helpful for our youth to be able to meet people in different industries and jobs and learn about opportunities. We do do kind of career development A lot of our career development, though, is also in trying to help young people identify what they want to do and what they want to major in in college. But we do connect everyday New Yorkers to our young people and provide opportunities you know, for that dialogue. And then in terms of mental health, I would say New Yorkers has increased the number of mental health professionals on staff. I mean, I'm a social worker. I went to social work school. And then we have two other licensed uh, mental health professionals here as well, working with the students. You know, most of our scholars have monthly sessions with a licensed mental health professional and our work, you know, it's, we're not serving as like a therapist per se, because many of our youth have the opportunity to meet with someone, 
But what they're doing is coaching them to sort of stay in school and on track because issues come up. So we try to sort of stay in our lane. And, you know, our goal is to keep youth in school because we know that with the support that we're providing, which is this one-on-one support, being part of a community of peers and being part of our youth advisory board, attending youth development events, having access to other scholarship programs, that network and that support has resulted in 90% of our youth persisting in college year over year, which is remarkable for this group. And we have about 75% of our youth that graduate, which is even higher than you know your average uh, out here. So I think we feel like the work we're doing is effective and it's very personalized and it feels you know, when young people come into their office, they really have access to all of our staff. You know, if um, people want to make a donation or if they want to, to support this initiative, how can they learn more? They can start by looking at our website, www.newyorkersforchildren.org, and it's spelled out. It's New Yorkers and N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-E-R-S. F-O-R-C-H-I-L-D. I mean, hopefully you'll spell that out, .org. So, so there's that. And then they can certainly look at, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. As I said, we're having an upcoming fall vet on October 27th, and there are you know seats still available. I hope you will also provide the link to our various uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, you can check us out online. We're pretty active, and you know, and if people are really interested, they can certainly pick up the phone and chat with any of our staff. We're available to share as much information as people kind of need. So that would be great. And then I guess my last question to you is just, you know, sometimes you just take for granted having, you know, parents or having a, a roof over your head. But what do you find to be people's biggest misconception? in terms of uh, particularly, you know, these, these young people that are coming out of the, uh, the shelter system? So I think the biggest misconception about youth aging out of, out of foster care is not recognizing that a lot of the youth we serve, there's nothing sort of that stands out. You, you can't identify a young person who's been in care on the street. It could be really anyone. And a lot of sort of the trauma and the challenges, they're masked, if you will, because, you know, our youth have developed incredible coping mechanisms and the ability to present in sort of professional and academic settings. And so what you would be surprised to know is that there are more youth that have been connected to foster care than, than you would think. But also, as you get to know youth, they've been through a lot they have uh, incredible perception in terms of reading people. And, you know, I always say, and this is something that I always want for my own children, like you want ki- your kids to be savvy and to have, you know, to be resilient. And I think by nature, a lot of the youth we serve have those incredibly strong skills given what they've gone through. And so, you know, the work that we do is really just kind of creating a mechanism to kind of create more of an equal playing field and level the field a little bit. But the reality is, is that many of our youth have turned really challenging traumatic situations into personal assets and strengths. And I think that's what I think would be most surprising. Well, you know, I really love to hear the work that you're doing and, you know, certainly would love to connect with you and make sure that our editors can feature some of these successful youth that have really 
gone above and beyond beating the odds in life to to be able to be you know successful in, in the face of uh, such adversity. Well, that would be great. We would love to feature and introduce uh, your team to some of the remarkable youth that we serve. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share about New Yorkers for Children and the work that we've been doing. Well, it's our pleasure. And I hope everyone listening will check out newyorkersforchildren.org. Thanks again, Soroya. Thank you. Thank you so much. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>